Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius. Welcome back to Fortress of the Mind. And the subject of this podcast is going to be No Man is Good at Everything. No Man Can Do Everything. And I suppose we could also consider it part of the subject that no man is good at every job. You've got to get the right man for the right job. And to illustrate this point, we're going to talk a little bit about the career of the 31st President of the United States, Herbert Hoover. Now, you may wonder, how did I get the idea to talk about Herbert Hoover? Well, his name came up in this great biography that I'm reading of Joseph Stalin. And the subject in which Hoover came up was the famine relief that was organized by him for Russia right after the Russian Civil War. And it was very successful. I'll talk a little bit about that. And it was very, very successful. And it really caused me to think, you know, how is it that this guy who had such a very impressive background, he was a self-made man, he was an orphan as a child, he struggled, he was a hardworking guy, he was a a successful mining engineer who had traveled all over the world and done great things everywhere. How could this guy have been such a complete and total failure as a president? Now, it's true that part of it, maybe most of it, was not all of his fault. Maybe his failures were due to circumstances that were beyond his control. But that doesn't explain everything. We can't let him off the hook entirely for that. And I think that the more we study the question, I think the more we have to conclude that we have to find the right men for the right job. No man can do everything. And you know that here at Fortress of the Mind, I like to talk about character, leadership, personalities, great stories from history, biography, philosophy, because I think those types of things really help us to understand our world. And one of those really key points that the Hoover story brought home to me was you've got to find the right man for the right job. No man can do everything. Sometimes someone who might appear to be brilliantly successful will simply be the wrong guy for a certain job. So let's get into the specifics here. Let's talk a little bit about Hoover himself and see what we can discover about his background. Now, when you start to really talk about Hoover, when you start to look into his background, what really jumps out at you is just how impressive this guy was. I mean, this was this guy was not adult. This was not a fool. This was not somebody who was some rich guy who was living off a trust fund, who had a wealthy family, who had everything spoon-fed to him as a kid. This was someone who was a self-made man. And this is what's incredible about it. He was a self-made man. He uh, was born in the 1870s. He was orphaned as a uh, as a child. And, uh, you know, basically he came from a Quaker background. So he came from a religious background. I think it's safe to say that his his background valued hard work and diligence and all those types of traits that uh, produce success in life. He was part of Stanford University uh, in California's graduating class. I mean, he slept in the dormitory. The guy had no money. He worked his way through college by doing odd jobs. And he was an orphan. He, he was orphaned as a kid. So this was a guy who had came from nothing. This was someone who had nothing. And in those days, the only people that really could play in the game of politics were the, the super rich, the, the, the really wealthy. 
So, you know, it's it's just so ironic when you look at the implications of his later career, how this this guy who was a self-made man somehow became such an enemy of the working class or an an a, a unintentional uh, uh adversary of working people of uh, uh of people who were just trying to get ahead you would have thought just the opposite but life is complicated and i think hoover was a good man hoover was not a bad man he simply was the wrong guy uh for the wrong time so what did hoover specifically do in russia because this is what i want to talk about a little bit this this just gives you an idea of his capabilities, his organizational brilliance, and his altruistic impulses. Well, after the Russian Civil War, Russia was devastated, absolutely devastated. The countryside in in uh, in Western Russia had been ravaged for years by by the First World War, by the Civil War. Uh, it, it was rock bottom, and it didn't help that you had as the leadership probably one of the most ruthless and cynical sons of bitches uh, in in the modern era, you know, uh, Lenin. And I know Lenin apparently has still has fans today, but I tell you what, the guy was a son of a bitch, real bastard. He was a real ruthless, ruthless, amoral bastard, conniving, scheming, dishonest uh, bastard. Uh, one of these types who thinks that, uh, you know, human life is worth nothing you can just liquidate whole uh, sectors of people just for your idea you know just based on your your uh, marxist philosophy and there are still people like this out there now when we look when we look at the fundamentalist types in the world it's the same mentality the form has changed but the shape is still the same so anyway what happened in russia well you had uh, uh you know an absolute humanitarian catastrophe. Millions of people starving without food. And what happened basically was Lenin was too much of a son of, son of a bitch to ask Western governments directly for help. He couldn't do that. He wouldn't do that because that would undercut his desire to be independent, you know, to be the enemy of the, quote, imperialist powers. So he didn't like the Western governments. So what Lenin did, he, he asked the exiled writer Maxim Gorky, who was a famous guy, uh, to issue a private appeal to honorable people in the West, to humanitarian organizations. And, and you know, in the 1920s, in the early 20s, the types of, these types of international relief efforts were not as advanced as they are today. This really wasn't ground that had been trod already. This was kind of unexplored territory. But Hoover responded. He was at that time the secretary, the American Secretary of Commerce. He answered Gorky's call in two days. He started going to work because he had done similar types of things during the First World War. He had organized famine relief, war relief. So this was a guy who was a real logistician. He was good at logistics. He was good at organizing. He had a scientific bent of mind. That was part of his strengths as an organizer. He was a logical, scientific, um, analytical type of guy. He was not a very personable, he was not very good with people. He was a, um, frankly, he was a nerd. I mean, he was one of these guys who was very good at numbers, who was very good at the mechanics of getting things done. With people, with the idealistic 
component of leadership, he was not so good. And this, in the end, proved to, to be his undoing. But for a time, he was very, very successful. And let's see what he did. He um, he had founded, well, he had, he had earlier founded the American Relief Administration, called the ARA. And this was basically a government agency that had been uh, converted into a private body and run with government donations. So it was what, what an early progenitor of the NGO, the non-governmental organization concept. So when the call went out to help the Soviets, he laid down two conditions to them. Hoover said, look, if I'm going to do this, I want you to do two things. He said, uh, I want my people to be able to operate independently in Soviet Russia without government interference. And number two, I want you to release all U.S. citizens who are in rotting in Soviet jails. Now, Lenin didn't like this, of course, and he grumbled and he griped about it, but at the end of the day, he agreed to it. Interestingly enough, we can imagine that uh, if the same offer were made today to North Korea, they, not in a million years would they ever accept that. Not in a million years, which I think says a lot about the North Korean regime, but in any case. So Hoover went to work, and what he did was really uh, amazing. He basically collected $60 million worth of foreign food support, he gathered uh, wheat, corn, uh, condensed milk, food, sugar, uh, and a lot of it was donated by the U.S. Congress, and some of it was some of it was paid for by the Soviets, which they had uh, uh, the currency which they had stolen from uh, people whose lands they had confiscated, but some of it was just outright donated by the United States. And what Hoover did, he employed. Uh, he had 300 agents, 300 field operatives, and they in turn hired up to, I think it was like 150,000 Soviet helpers. And they had basically around 20,000 field kitchens set up all over the Ukraine and, and, uh, and Western Russia. And they were feeding at, at their height, at the height of this operation, they were feeding about, it says here, look, looks like 11 million people every day. And when it was all said and done, Gorky, Maxim Gorky wrote to Hoover, he said, quote, Your help will enter history as a unique, gigantic achievement, worthy of the greatest glory, which will long remain in the memory of millions of Russians whom you have saved from death. And this was Hoover this was Herbert Hoover. This was Herbert Hoover in the early nineteen twenties. So his famine relief operation was a brilliant success. And he went on to greater and greater successes, and eventually he became president. But then, then fate caught up with him. Fortune or fate or whatever you'd like to call it caught up with him. And he was simply unable to cope with the scope of the disaster that had stricken the world, the, the, the world uh, depression, which hit pretty much every country in 1929-1930. And it seemed like no matter what Hoover did, no matter what Hoover did, nothing really ever worked. And, you know, even even after 80 years, uh, after all this time, the Great Depression is one of, one of those controversial events of the 20th century. And analysts even today are not really entirely sure what caused it. There are, there are different theories. There are some generally accepted theories. There are some that are not general, generally accepted. 
But I think it is agreed, I think historians can all agree, that Hoover's response was simply ineffective. He meant well, but he simply could not rally the public as an inspiring figure. And he simply couldn't understand why people didn't respond to him. And the real reason came down to the fact that he was a technocrat. He was a, a, a bureaucratic type of mindset. And I don't mean that in an, as a detractive statement about him. I don't mean that as, a, as an insult. It's a compliment because governments need bureaucrats. All governments need competent bureaucrats in order to, in, in order to run. It's when they become parasites. That's the problem. But, but bureaucrats themselves are not inherently wrong. I mean, governments need them. But Hoover simply was not the right man for the job. He was not a wartime president. He was not a Depression-era president. He would hang out at the White House and eat his five-course meals, and he thought it was good for the morale of the country to be seen as the king. And again, this was not a rich guy. He didn't come from a lot of money. He was a self-made man, but he just could not seem to understand the mood of the times, the tenor of the times. And it's pretty revealing that he also held fast to his idea that prohibition was a good thing. He never gave up the idea that prohibition was a, uh, was a good thing. He, he strongly believed in it. When all the evidence was staring him in the, in the eyes, was, was staring him in the face, that prohibition was actually uh, deepening crime. It was deepening the hold of organized crime over the country. And, and he just didn't, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. So... This is an example, I think, of a classic example of how a, the same man can be a brilliant success in certain things, but be an abysmal failure in other things. So whenever, whenever we have to deal with people, whenever we have to be in the position of managing people or evaluating friends, family members, acquaintances, we have to keep in mind that everyone has their own distinctive personality. Everyone has their own distinctive character. And what works well in one situation will often not work in other situations. And we have to keep this in mind. And if you're ever in doubt about that, recall the example of Herbert Clark Hoover, who was uh, not a bad man, but was someone who was simply overwhelmed by events. And, you know, it's kind of sad because he spent the rest of his life after he was beaten by uh, Franklin Roosevelt, trying to go around the country and justify why uh, his responses to the Depression really would have worked if they had just been used long enough over a long enough time. And he just could not accept the fact that he was the wrong man uh, for that job. You know, he, his hubris, his perhaps uh, overconfidence in his own abilities brought him down. And today he's remembered as a failure when perhaps we probably should have more of a balanced figure, a balanced image of this historical figure. I think uh, his, a biography that has done him justice really has not yet been written. This was a, a brilliant man, but a flawed man who ultimately was undone by events that were beyond his control. So it's, um, it's quite a learning point, and it's something that we should reflect on. Until next time, this is Quintus Curtius. This was brought to you courtesy of Fortress of the Mind Productions. Good night.